The Lord be with you. And with, with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory, Glory to you, Lord. Lord. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb, and she saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Lord Jesus Christ. For many years now, it's been our tradition on the fourth Sunday of Advent to pray a blessing on the expectant mothers of the parish. What always strikes me about this moment is that on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we are mere days away from Christmas. But for these mothers, Advent continues. Their Advent only ends when their child is born. In the springtime, the church calls us to another Advent. It's longer by two weeks. We call this Lent. The 40 days of Lent are also a time of waiting. Something new is being gestated in us, so that when we arrive at Easter, we'll be ready to respond to the call of the risen Lord to come out of our tombs. Except that this Easter, our Lenten desert is not ended. We are still isolated in our homes, required to shelter in place, likely for several more weeks. As Pope Francis reflected in his Urbi at Orbi address to the world a few weeks ago, for weeks now, it has been evening. Thick darkness has covered over our squares, our streets, and our cities. It has taken over our lives. And here's where the Gospel of John begins. In this very moment, while it was still dark, John is taking us back to the very beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Darkness was over the face of the deep. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. John O'Donoghue, the late 
Celtic poet reminds us that we're always on a journey from darkness to light. At first, we are children of the darkness. Your body and your face were formed first in the kind darkness of your mother's womb. Your birth was a first journey from darkness into light. When the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, they were growing so numerous that Pharaoh ordered that all the baby boys should be drowned, thrown into the river. The contemporary Jewish scholar, Aviva Zornberg, the daughter of a rabbi, writes, when Moses, the Redeemer, is born and grows too big to hide, his mother places him in the very river of Pharaoh's decree. He's not submerged, but is floated on the top of the river of death and life in a closed box, well sealed with bitumen and pitch, the very materials of slavery. In this floating brick, Moses is found by another woman, the Egyptian princess, who opens the box, sees him crying, and takes pity on him. That is, from the rigid brick shape emerges a raucous, precocious cry of life and of suffering. Perhaps, suggests one midrash, the cry of a suffocating nation. She sees the uncanny force of the baby, and she is credited at this moment with seeing the Shekinah, the divine presence. Her vision births the child from death to life. Before he led the children of Israel through the waters of the sea, Moses had himself already made this journey from death to life. Moses now has two mothers, his Hebrew mother and Pharaoh's daughter, who takes him into the palace and raises him as her own son. In a similar way, the children of Israel have two mothers. They are brought to birth a second time by the God who births them through the waters of the sea. No sooner had Pharaoh let the children of Israel go than he changed his mind and began to pursue them. With the dark waters in front of them and Pharaoh's army at their backs, God opened up a way where there was no way, and the Jewish people walked dry-shod through the sea. The Egyptians pursued them only to perish as the ocean waves came crashing down upon them, at this climactic moment, God has utterly proven himself. Their tormentors have been punished. All their pain and suffering has been washed away by the waters of the Red Sea. And they're able to find the words to sing with pure faith and joy. But there's another way to read this story. In her essay on the narrative, Zornberg suggests that, in fact, the Jewish people did not sing after having emerged victorious from the Red Sea. Instead, they sang while still marching through its waters, pursued 
by Pharaoh's army. If this is indeed the case, then the song of the sea cannot be understood as a song of pure joy and triumph, but rather a song fraught with tension. The Jewish people must sing in full view of their oppressors. They must sing while their future is uncertain, wondering whether they will indeed make it to the other side. The song does not deny their pain. Instead, they must find the strength to sing while still bearing the psychological wounds of slavery. Under these circumstances, the song of the sea must embody the complex reality of joy and pain living side by side. This is the song we sing today. As St. Paul reminds us, your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. On Holy Saturday, the church gathers in the dark to sing, O night of endless wonder, night of bliss, when every living creature held its breath, as Christ robbed death and harrowed hopeless hell, restoring life to all those in the tomb. O night that gave us back what we had lost, O night that made our sin a happy fault. Beyond our deepest dreams this night, O God, your hand reached out to raise us up in Christ. While it is still dark, we make our way to the tomb. Like the disciples before us, we do not yet understand what God is doing. But sometimes, as Rachel Held Evans reminds us, just showing up, burial spices in hand, is all it takes to witness a miracle. <laughs>